You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Thank you, guys. This is Barry. I'm sure almost everyone knows Barry Condon. He's travelled a long journey up the stairs from Cafe Church. One of our Cafe Church leaders. And we like, if we can, once a month to get one of those guys to bring words. So Barry's going to bring the word today. How about we give him a big welcome, big round of applause, and over to Barry. Good morning, everyone. Thank you very much. A very warm welcome. Uh, Is there any chance we get the first slide up, please? Thank you. So, the Gospel of John, chapter 9, we're going to be speaking about the story of the man born blind. I know you've probably heard this story, maybe if you haven't, it's very easy to pass it by without recognizing what an amazing story it is. Because never before, up to that point, nor since, has any human being healed another human being supernaturally. Has any man supernaturally healed the eyes of a man born blind? So, uh, when we look at the scripture... Don't say, oh, yeah, I've seen it before, I've read it before. Let God speak to you freshly again from the scripture this morning. And it's about God healing a man's eyes who was born blind. And you know, the eye is an amazing thing. I got the privilege of just looking into how the eye works. And there's so many amazing facts and figures about the eye that I don't actually have time this morning. But there's a few little things. For example, did you know that in one minute, we blink 12 times? Did you know that? The most complex organ besides the brain in the body is the eye. And 80% of what we learn is through the eye. And when you think about that one, 80% of what we learn is through the eye. That explains why so many of the scriptures, so many of, of the ways Jesus spoke about himself was through metaphors, wasn't it? It was through metaphors or um, illustrations. and can, can anyone think of a metaphor Jesus used for himself? Like, I'll give you one. He says, I am uh, the gate. Can anyone think of another one? I am the bread of life. I am the vine. I am the way. Fantastic. I am the truth. I'm looking for one more. I am the, the light. Yes. Jesus said, I am the light. 700 years before Jesus even appeared on the earth, This is what God wrote. He said, I am the Lord. I've called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you. And I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus, a light to the nations. And we're the nations, not just the Jewish people, but the nations of the world, including Ireland. Hallelujah. To open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those who dwell in darkness from the prison. But you know, I never read about Jesus going to prison in the New Testament, did you? So what did Jesus mean about a prison? What did he mean by prison? See, there he's, even back then, God is using metaphors. He's using, yes, he's delivering us. First and foremost, Jesus delivers us from sin and from death. Isn't that wonderful? I was in the cinema the other night and we were watching a film about um, a man on death row in Alabama. And there was two main characters. There was the guy on death row, and there was the guy who came to rescue him from being on death row. But it struck me, as I watched that film, and as I read the Bible, Jesus talks about being in darkness. He's come to set us free from darkness. Do you know what the Bible says about all humanity? We're all on death row. Did you know that? We're all on death row. 
except, of course, if you're a Christian. But that's the start, and it hit me so hard that every one of us born into this world are on death row except you call on the name of Jesus. And that's profound, but that's the truth. That's what Jesus meant when he, when he said, I am a light. I am the light of the world. He says, oh, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He came to open blind eyes. He didn't just come to open physically blind eyes, but spiritually blind eyes. Did you know that you've spiritual eyes? Physical eyes can't see without light. Okay, so that's why a person is blind. The eye, the light can't reach. The retina can't um, tr- um, convert those um, pulses, impulses in, in towards the brain so the brain can actually see. It's the brain that actually sees, not the eye itself. The eye just translates the light into the brain. The spiritual eye can't see without light either. But it, it's not physical light that opens the eyes of the blind, is it? It's supernatural light supernatural light. And that's what Jesus spoke about when he said, I am the light of the world. You see, we can survive fine with physical light, can't we? We can see our food, and we can see our way to work, and we can do, go about our business and survive fine in this world with physical light. But Jesus wants us, our eyes, to be opened to the truth of who he is and of what heaven is like. He wants us to get a taste of heaven. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we're going to look at the scriptures in John chapter 9. And I want you to think about Jesus. I want you to imagine Jesus. He was fully God and fully man. He was a human being. He was a human being. And there he was, just before we meet the blind man. He's teaching in Jerusalem. He's teaching in the temple. Can you see the temple? We're looking at the Judean hillsides here. We're looking at the, at the very top. There's Jerusalem. And then at the very top again, the main focal point of Jerusalem was the temple. And here, brothers and sisters, the temple was built for the glory of God. And Jesus Christ is the glory of God. And he was standing there teaching. And what did the people of Israel and, and the religious leaders and the Pharisees want to do? They wanted to stone him. They wanted to kill the glory of God, even though that was the function of the temple. Isn't that terrible? Isn't that ironic? Words can't describe what that is like. Just before he met the man born blind, Jesus was telling the people, he says, before Abram was, I am. And they were gnashing and they hated him and they picked up stones and they wanted to kill him because they said he blasphemed. He was claiming to be God. Jesus knew who he was. He knew he was the son of God. And he was saying to them, I am. Before Abram was, he was born thousands of years before that. He said, I am. I am the eternal one. He said to them, look, I am. And the reason he did these miracles in, in the gospel of John, the number one reason he did these miracles was to show the people that he is God. Only God can open the eyes of a man born blind. Isn't that true? Only God can do it. So let's read and, and, and we go along then. Let's go. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Hallelujah. So, again, picture in your mind. Go back to Jerusalem. They're just about to stone him. He says he slipped away. Now, if I was just about to be stoned, I would have been distraught. I would have been upset. I would have gone home and crawled under a blanket. But Jesus was about his father's business. He went down into Jerusalem and he saw a man born blind. 
and his disciples, the followers of Jesus, the first thing that came into their head was, was it this man's sin or his parents' sin was the reason he was born blind? Can you see the judgment? That was the atmosphere. That was the teaching at the time of the Pharisees, the religious leaders. If you had anything wrong with you, it was because you sinned. And I believe number one thing today God wants to say, one of the things he wants to say this morning, is there's someone here, maybe you're sick, or maybe someone belongs to you is sick, your child, your son or your daughter, and God is saying to you very clearly, it is not because of your sin or your child's sin. Jesus Christ said he's come to set us free. Jesus says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's Satan who comes to condemn you. Now, of course, there are times when you, if you go and take and snort cocaine, you will bear the result and the fruit of that, of course. But in this instance, his own disciples and the teachings of, of, of the whole of Jerusalem were wrong, and Jesus came to correct it. Hallelujah. He said no. He said no. Neither this man nor his parents said Jesus sin, sinned, said Jesus. But this happened that the works of God might be displayed in him. Did you ever consider that the suffering that you're going through or your child is going through is so that the works of God might be displayed in him? Let's pray. Let's just pray right now. If that's anyone here today, be encouraged. Jesus is here. He's here by the power and ministry of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray if there's anyone here this morning that's under condemnation because of something that they're suffering and they believe a lie in their minds and their hearts, we pray, be cast down and broken by your power in the name of Jesus. We say, away Satan in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. As long as day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Jesus never rushed, but he was always focused. Always focused. He knew exactly what he was about to do. Do you know exactly what you're about to be doing for your Father in heaven? As Christians, Jesus has gone back into heaven, but he sent the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, and we are now the light of the world, aren't we? Because Christ is in us, and there's work to be done, because the day will come, as Tom mentioned earlier, the day will come when Jesus returns, and then there'll be no more work to be done. But we as a church have to do the work of Jesus Christ. That is our business. That's what we're to be about. Hallelujah. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Praise God. What a miracle. And if you notice with Jesus, when he healed someone, it was always something different. Every time he, he touched someone, spoke to someone, it was always different. But this time he sent him down to the pool of Siloam. Now, I'd love to read through the whole chapter. I can't. But there's three different reactions to this miracle. We've got the neighbors, the Pharisees, the parents. But I want you to keep in mind as well the blind man, the man who was born blind, and how he reacted to his own healing, okay? So let's go through each one. So the neighbors, <clears throat> as, as, as ever, the neighbors would have been um, just like our neighbors, curious and nosy. <laughs> how then were your eyes opened? They asked him. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told them, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked him. I don't know. Hang on a minute. If I was born blind and Jesus healed me, do you think I'd go and find him or do something about it? The blind man says, I don't know. <laughs> what kind of reaction is that? Let's go on to the Pharisees. Do you know what the Pharisees were? Let me give you a, a little snippet. They believed in the Bible. They believed in God. They believed in the afterlife. They were middle class. Who do they sound like? <laughs> Come on, let's give us an answer. They sound like me and you, don't they? 
See, there's a Pharisee in every one of us. We must put to death the Pharisee. We must put to death the Pharisee because the Pharisee will pull out the finger. He'll judge. He'll twist the scriptures. What they did basically was they twisted the scriptures. They built on the word of God their traditions and their rules and their regulations. And they said about Jesus, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. So they were against Jesus because he healed them the Sabbath. The Pharisees were obsessed with the Sabbath. And Jesus said to them, you know what he said to them? He said, God made the Sabbath for man. Not man for the Sabbath. God, made the, God is so good, he gave us a day off. To worship him and to rest. And they ruined it with rules and regulations. And they put burdens on people that never, ever God wanted them on people. And Jesus spoke against that and they hated him. So then they turned to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he's a prophet. So first of all, he doesn't know where he is. Now the blind man says, he's a prophet. So he's obviously signed up on some online theological course. And he's beginning to learn who God is. He is a prophet. The parents. But how can he see now? Again, this is abridged. How can he see now? Or who opened his eyes? We don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Brothers and sisters, don't be afraid to confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Out yourself. There's people of all walks of life doing every type of mad thing in the world today. And they're proud and they're boasting about it. Let us boast about being Christians. Hallelujah. Let us not hide about being followers of Christ. There is no blessing if you hide your light in a bushel. No blessing. Now he goes back and the Pharisees bring him back for the second time because they can't understand, they can't get their heads around. It's an absolute miracle. It's been confirmed that this man was born blind. He can now see, but they don't. Their hearts are so hard, they don't want to acknowledge that Jesus could have healed them. They don't want to acknowledge that Jesus must be divine. So they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he goes on to tell them. And then they hurled insults at him and said, you were this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. We don't even know where he comes from. Can you see how dangerous it is to have religion without Christ? It's lethal. We must have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ all the time. Not just when we're saved. All the time. All the time. And then I love what the blind man says. You can see he had nothing to lose at this stage. He was all his life thrown down. There was hundreds, thousands of beggars, blind men, poor, unfortunates all over the place. He had nothing to lose. He says, you don't know where he comes from. Did he open my eyes? Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Now he's gone from a prophet to saying, if this man were not from God, the blind man himself. Can you see what's happening? Jesus opened his physical eyes, but his spiritual eyes weren't yet opened. There was a process. How many of us have came to Christ in a process? How many of you have been touched by God physically, perhaps healed by God even, and not yet become a Christian? But today could be the day you become a Christian. Hallelujah. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. They just looked down their nose. They were so proud. The Pharisees were, the, the, the two worst sins of the Pharisees, they were self-righteous and they were full of pride. They thought they could earn their own righteousness. We can never earn our own righteousness. Our righteousness can only come from Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Only him. Only him. I love this part. Jesus heard that they'd thrown him out. 
And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? When he found him. How many of us were found by Christ? I was found by Jesus. You think back of your own, look back in your own life. You did not start following and looking for God. God came after you. Hallelujah. And if he started a work in you, he's going to finish it, isn't he? Yes, he is. Praise God. He said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And Jesus is saying that to you today. Do you believe in the Son of Man? And what he meant, and the blind man knew what he meant, the Son of Man was a term for the prophetic um, utterance of Daniel in the Old Testament, referring to the, 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 the hero of Israel who come f- physically, military, politically, and spiritually to rule Israel. This man was prophesied in Daniel, and Jesus was saying, I am the Son of Man. That's what Jesus was saying, I am the Son of Man. But they missed the first coming of Christ, because When Jesus comes for the second time, he will come in power and glory to judge and destroy his enemies. The first time he comes as a suffering servant to die on a cross, to shed his blood for mankind and rise again. This is the age of grace. When he comes again, there will be no more second chances. It will become to rule from Jerusalem, the whole of the earth. So when Jesus said to him, "Do do you believe in the Son of Man? The blind man knew what the Son of Man meant. And of course, the Son of Man is also Jesus' way of identifying with human, with humanity. So that's why he became flesh. Jesus took on flesh. The eternal Son of God took on flesh. So he can identify with you and me in whatever situation you're in right now. Jesus knows what it's like. No man has ever suffered like Jesus Christ. Ever. No man has ever suffered like Jesus Christ. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows what it's like to walk in your shoes. Praise, only God can do that. Praise his wonderful name. Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. He's gone from a man called Jesus to Lord I believe. He would have bowed down on his knees. Lord, I believe. His eyes were opened to the glory of God. Now he knows who Jesus is. Have your eyes ever been opened to the the glory of who Jesus Christ really and truly is? Because if it is, you would worship as well. It's the first reaction to a transformed heart. Revelation brings transformation. If you have been, if God has revealed himself to you, the first reaction is to bow down and worship Jesus Christ. If you haven't done that, you're not a Christian. You're not a Christian. You're churched or you, you've, you've tasted and seen perhaps that the Lord is good. But have you ever went, Lord, I believe. Have you believed? Do you believe in Jesus? Jesus said, for judgment I've come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what? Are we blind too? See, these were the, the hard jaws of Jerusalem. They had all the power. They had all the money. The people looked up to them and respected them. The religious rulers, they were the authority on God. And yet there was God standing right in front of them saying, you're actually blind. And do you know what? It's every one of us can become blind too. We've got to guard our hearts. We've got to stay humble. Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Are you here today and you say, I know all about Christianity. I know about Jesus. Well, God would say to you, you're blind. You're blind. And you're lost. And you need to humble yourself. You need to bow down before Christ. Are you here today and you say, I'm blind, I'm lost, Lord, I need you. That's a great place to be. Do you want to be the blind man or the Pharisee? Which one do you want to be this morning? I want to be the blind man. 
I want to say to God, Lord, I don't know enough. I don't see enough. Please open my eyes further. Hallelujah. Jesus didn't mince his words. We mince our words all the time. He meant when he says, your guilt remains. If you think you know it all, if you think you've got the answers to life, that doesn't include Jesus Christ, your guilt remains. The spiritual eyes can't see without light. Revelation leads to transformation. Brothers and sisters, the Christian walk is one of, it's a miracle actually, isn't it? It's a supernatural walk. If, it's not, if you're not walking supernaturally with Christ, there's something wrong. You're just going through the motions. The Christian life is impossible to live without the power of Christ in you and in me. I can't live the Christian life without the power of Christ. Jesus is saying we need spiritual, supernatural light. We need our eyes to be opened. Maybe for the very first time here this morning, your eyes will be opened by the living Christ. Or maybe you're a Christian, you're on the road a while. And maybe you've just got a bit too stale. And God is saying to you, come back to me. Come back and let me wash your eyes once again. Have you ever driven along um, the road? And have you ever tried to drive with a windscreen like that? You'll end up in the ditch, won't you? The windscreen needs to be wiped. Our eyelids, God created our eyelids to wash our eyes. Like the eye, you cannot deny the, the glory of creation when you see how the eye works. He washed the eyelids, washed our eyes. We need our eyes to be washed. As Christians, we need our eyes to be washed. This is what Jesus said to the church in Laodicea. There were seven churches in the book of Revelation. Seven churches. And if you look at the seven churches, the, the one church that would probably identify most with the Western world church today is the church of Laodicea. Because if you look at us as Christians, we're privileged to be living in Ireland at this time in history because we're probably the wealthiest that ever any Christian had to live in history but that can be lethal to our spiritual walk. Do you know what, brothers and sisters? It does not matter what we have materially. It's all going to die and fade anyway, isn't it? What matters is our, is our faith. That's the most precious thing that you have, is your faith. Are you nurturing and feeding and looking after your faith? Instead of being concerned about the stuff of this world, every one of us, every single day, it's, we're being bombarded. You need to look after this life. God is saying, no, look after eternity. And he look after this life. Amen. Jesus said to them, he said, you see, I'm rich. See, they were a very wealthy city. They were one of the wealthiest cities in the Roman Empire. They were famous for their aqueducts. Tom mentioned at the prayer at the start of the meeting, which brought water down uh, an aqueduct. And by the time it got down, it was lukewarm. Jesus said, if you're not neither cold or hot, but if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Now, we can dress that up and try and twist it and bend it, but no. He says, if you're not hot for him, what are you? What do you want to be? Do you want to be hot for Christ? Yes. I want to be hot for Jesus. I'm a sinner. I need his grace. I need him to wash my eyes. But he said, you do not realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Dear you, what? But I'm blessed. I mean, I have money and I have a fine home and my children are healthy. But it doesn't matter if you don't have spiritual health. If your eyes have gone dark, what are you looking after? What, what is your goal? What are you looking for? Jesus wants you to reorientate yourself, your heart, your life back to him. And don't leave it until tomorrow. Don't leave it until the next week. Don't leave it until the after the leaving cert. Don't leave it until I'm old while I'm, while I'm a teenager. Now I can do what I want. No. You don't know the day or the hour. Yeah. 
When that man was on death row, he was given a letter to say the date that he would die. We don't have that privilege or luxury. Not that it's a luxury to be on death row. We don't know the day or the hour that our lives will be gone and taken from us. But God knows. And God is speaking to people this morning. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness. These were Christians he's talking to. But Jesus says, those whom I love, I rebuke. I thank God that God rebukes me and many times he has. That proves to me that he loves me as a father. He loves me. And when God rebukes you, don't take the hump. Say, thank you, God, because he knows what's best for you. He knows what's best for you. He says, you can cover. He says, white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness. How do they get to that place? How can we get to that place? Maybe it's business. Maybe we're too busy. What are we chasing after? Are we spending all our time and our energy chasing the stuff of this world? So that we don't have time for Christ? So we don't have time for what he thinks and knows to be important? He says, I will, I will give you self to put on your eyes so you can see. He always speaks to us in metaphors. He always speaks to us so that we can understand. Us poor creators. That we can understand. Because at that time, that was famous, that city was famous, the medics at the time were famous for making this eye salve that would heal people's eye conditions. So Jesus spoke to them where they were at, right into their culture. Hallelujah. And they knew exactly what he was saying. And God is speaking to us this morning. So if the worship team are around and about, can you please come up? They've got 57 seconds to come up, <laughs> or else they're fired. So, brothers and sisters, just two prayers, two very, very straightforward prayers this morning. Perhaps God has moved in your life. Maybe he's healed you. Maybe you've gone to that place. I remember thinking Jesus was a prophet and he was dead. I remember clearly when I grew up in a, in a religious background. And suddenly I came to that realization, oh my goodness, Jesus is the Son of God. What a wonderful revelation. See, revelation leads to transformation. Hallelujah. So maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe you're here for maybe you're here for four or five years. I don't know. God knows what your heart is. And today you know that Jesus is knocking on that door and he's saying, Come with me. Come fellowship with me. Because you know why God is a, God is a personal God. He's a relational God. That's why you have a personality. That's why you can relate. You're made in the image and likeness of God and you were created to relate to him. Do you have a relationship with God through Christ? If you want a relationship with God through Christ, let's pray this prayer. If we can find it. It's called the prayer of salvation. And remember, it's Christ who saves you. But this prayer is an expression of your heart. An expression of, and only do this if you want to do it. Don't do it under compulsion I'm not a mediator I can't save you Jesus can save you he's here this morning in the room so what we'll do is we'll read it I'll read the first few lines would you follow on would everyone follow on with me so we can all pray it together if, you're, if you know that you've never actually given your life to Christ you've never accepted his death and resurrection on your behalf it's personal he died for your personal sins hallelujah He's a personal saver. You will see him personally. You will hear his voice. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. They come follow me. Let's pray this prayer. I invite you, Jesus, into my life. We'll stand. We'll stand. Let's stand. 
I invite you, Jesus, into my life. I don't want you to do life without you. Forgive me my sin and selfishness. Be my leader, my savior, and my friend all the days of my life. I turn to you now and ask that you bless my future. I pray that as I follow you, my destiny will be in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you're going to pray that prayer and you meant it, worship Jesus Christ. Do you believe in the Son of Man? That's what Jesus is saying to people here today. Do you believe in the Son of Man? We're going to sing a song, Open the Eyes of My Heart. And after that song, those few verses, then we're going to pray for the rest of us that God would anoint our eyes. Now, we might need physical healing, but I guarantee you, and I'm one of them, I need spiritual, I need Jesus to touch and clean my eyes with eyes have. Is there anyone here with me on that one? So we're going to pray that after this song. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.